Hola, and welcome to the Orally Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including BoJack Horseman, which we'll be getting into right now. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Bonilla, and today I'm joined by Michelle Andrew. Hello. Sam Quattro. Hi. And April Collins. Hey, everyone. Uh, today, we will be discussing the first three episodes of BoJack Horseman Season 5. Um, you can find our previous discussion on the whole Season 5 of BoJack Horseman. We had an initial reaction podcast to that. Uh, you can find that at OverlyAnimated.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to our BoJack Horseman feed and iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes. And you can also find us on YouTube as well on our Overly Animated channel. But uh, yeah, t- when we talked about BoJack Horseman initially on this podcast, we talked about it with the season as a whole to discuss and the major things that stood out. So we're also going to do a series of podcasts uh, focusing on smaller groups of episodes and seeing if we can pick out anything that maybe we didn't touch in the major podcast or now that we've had a week or so to ruminate other things that may have come out, small details that maybe we didn't get to mention last time. But uh, yeah, so we're going to begin with the first three episodes of the season, the light bulb scene, the dog days are over, and planned obsolescence. Um, I guess we should still do like a non-spoiler beginning to this, just like our our general reactions to these episodes without getting too deep into them, like just our general reactions. Um, April, I I don't know if you want to go first. What what are your feelings about these episodes, if there's one that stands out more or how they compare to each other? Um, I think, uh, I'm, I'm gonna apologize in advance. So my first, cause I've watched the season twice already and my first watch through, I was sort of just kind of taking it all in and then I can't remember which episode it is. I think it's the dog days are over with Diane and her episode right. and mm-hmm. that one, yep. yeah, that one really stuck out to me for, um, like out of the three of them um and i i don't know if anyone knows this but like dan's my least favorite character and so it was very interesting for me to have an entire episode that's dedicated specifically to her and like um uh, like i guess what she's kind of going through i'm not particularly sure if we're wanting to go into spoilers yet or not um but so that episode like stood out the most to me um because of what she was going through. And I think part of it is because I can relate because I've been through a divorce before too. And so I was just like, Oh, this is very like interesting, like how you're kind of dealing with it. And also like the approach to the episode too, because it's very like, um, clickbaity, I guess if that's the right Mm. word to use. Um, not only because she's going away, but, because she's like sort of pressured to kind of write about it at the same instance, um, given her job at the time. And so I think like of those three episodes that kind of like, um, stood out to me the most. And it's interesting because, you know, again, I've already seen the entire like season and I've watched it before. And that episode particularly stands out to me because of Diane and what she's kind of going through. And because I can relate to that or what she's going through at that time. And I, I'm like, girl, I feel you. Like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> without giving too much away before we get deep into it. So, but the, yeah, that's the one that stood out to me the most of the three episodes. All right. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting into that Diane's whole deal in that, in that episode in particular deeper in the podcast. 
But um, Michelle, what what are your general thoughts on these uh, three episodes? I think, and it's funny because when I watched the whole thing in like one day, they all started blurring together. But now that we're just focusing on three and went back and rewatched them, I feel a lot higher on the light bulb scene and dog days are over than I did initially. Um, I think just like because I had hindsight and I wasn't just like, okay, what's going to happen this season? What does anything mean? Now it's just kind of like, okay. I know what the major themes are. What do each of these episodes individually have to offer me? And so there are more things I could really pick into and be like, oh, like this is a really good moment. Or like, oh, that's stronger than I thought it was. I still really don't like planned obsolescence. And we're going to talk about it. I feel like in general, I have not been that high on Todd this season. Or maybe for the last like two seasons, honestly, I feel like this show isn't Outside of him being asexual, I feel like he hasn't really been utilized in a way that feels like anything's changing substantially for him. And so it's hard to feel very invested in where his character goes because it always feels like it's like, oh, B-plot goofy shenanigans. And I'd like to see him have more than that because like kind of everyone outside of him is given something more than that this season. Um, I think the the first episode this season of this bunch is actually my fave just because it it's so tight and it has so much going on but it all feels so consistently like it, it's so contained within the episode and it's all it's like introducing all these new characters but they're we're gonna spend the entire season with them and i don't know like it just it surprised me it went back it's like oh like like you know just objectively this is like a very solid you know well-paced episode i can see why it was the first one of the season all right, all right, and uh, and Sam, do, do you have uh, general thoughts on, on these three episodes here? Oh, general thoughts. There's a lot of <laughs> thoughts that we all have, don't we? Heck yeah. Um, okay, so the first episode, I th- the first episodes of the season typically don't really do it for me. It's like, yeah, we're just setting up like where we are in the timeline at this point, and, like what's going on, who's doing what, et cetera, et cetera. So it serves its purpose for me for that. Uh, second episode, Dog Days Are Over. I really liked it. Diane is actually my favorite character of the show. Um, and I love her very much. Uh, there's just there's a lot to go through with that. And we'll talk about it more once we get into the specific episode details. But when I watched it, I was like, fuck. Like, this is yeah. some... This is some real shit. This is like, you know, some real experiential stuff. Uh, that, like, you know, I can't say I've personally ever been to Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, 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 what? Made, <laughs> I made similar <laughs> journeys of that emotional caliber in my life. Uh, episode three, worst episode of the season. I don't Yes! <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's Thank just you. Su- such, like, you know, it's sandwiched in between two amazing episodes. Yeah! And it just sucks. Yeah. It is just like waka waka. Todd is asexual. Here's a big tub of lube. Lube like, for everyone to fall around in. Yes, why? It's like family recipe, Look, guys. Hey, hey guys, this was supposed to be a non-spoiler portion. You gave away that there was oh lube involved. That wasn't the best part, though. So I think it's <laughs> okay. Like, oh, it's the, okay. The lube is a spoiler. No, no, the no, lube no. is not a spoiler. <laughs> Hashtag there is, lube I didn't. Is a spoiler. Okay, I personally did not say 
what the lube was for. It was just in there. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, there you go. Uh, lube discussion incoming if you if you survive that long. But um, yeah, just uh, my my quick general thoughts. Uh, the dog days are over is a great episode, and I think has a lot of deep themes to talk about for the various sides of society. But um, the light bulb scene, I, I agree with Michelle that like in uh, when you watch the whole season, you kind of forget about the early episodes. So the light bulb scene kind of just washes away in your memory. But watching it alone, like it does feel like a better introduction to a season than previous seasons. Like comparing this to see Mr. Peanut Butter Run, for example, like the light bulb scene does a better job of hitting all the main characters, I think. And uh, planned obsolescence, like it's slapsticky so it just depends on what your mileage is with slapstick for me it wasn't that great although we'll talk about some themes that are discussed in that episode as well but um at, at, now we will we will be discussing more specific stuff so if you want to go watch those episodes again maybe you don't have uh, quite a strong memory of them if you go go back and watch them i, I think our general consensus is that at least two out of three of these episodes are good <laughs> but um so go 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 watch it and uh, now we can talk specifics. Uh, I think the the biggest thing out of these three episodes is probably the the, the Diane episodes. So I, I guess we can focus on the on Diane specifically. So in this in the last season, we left Diane and Mister Peanut Butter like their marriage breaking down, and at the end of the light bulb scene, we just get introduced like, "Hey, divorce papers!" So like they just went through with it mi- between season breaks. Good. Yeah. Good. Sam says good. Right. <laughs> and and, uh, and with the planned obsolescence, we'll get into Mr. Peanut Butter. We, we don't really need to talk about him right now. But uh, with Diane, the dog days are over. I, I think from the very beginning of that episode, it's it's very jarring and uh, and it touch it, it touching in the way that like it just lingers on her crying in her car for like a good thirty seconds. Like it felt like a really long time the first time I watched that episode. Like yeah. it, 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 it hits hard to just open that way, like her doing her crying. But um, yeah, th- this episode is framed around ten reasons to go to Vietnam, like a BuzzFeed listicle type thing. And the 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 whole thing of it is like her trying to go find herself. And this episode is dealing with the idea of like, but what finding yourself really even means. Now, mm-hmm. I guess we can talk about this first. The idea that Diane, uh, she, she uh, in this show, she's. Uh, well, I'm, I'm yes, trying to figure out the right word for this one. Say it. Say the, it. Okay, look, Alice, Alison Brie voices Diane, right? Uh, Alison yeah. Brie is a white actress. We're dealing with her character, who is Vietnamese, going to Vietnam. So obviously, it's hard to remove that context from your mind when you're watching a show about a character yeah. going to their ancestral roots. Um, how, how do you guys feel about how it executed this angle of it in terms of like trying to go back to your, uh, trying to find your, your culture per se, you know, dealing with the outer context of what the rest of the show is outside? Um, I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that element worked really well, and um, in our Discord, Alex, I remember you brought up a little snippet of an interview saying that um, one of the writers, I, I forget who it was, I'm sorry, 
But uh, uh well, yeah, like, I, I can mention that uh, there there was an article before the season came out with Slate that uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg gave uh, on this episode in particular, and he did mention that uh, what the main writer for this episode was Joanna Callow, who is Hispanic of mixed race. So that influenced a lot of the writing in this episode, and also they brought in a Vietnamese actress who had done work on the show before to give them extra context with dealing with the actual Vietnam stuff. Uh, I, I believe that was the the portion that i linked in the discord yeah that's good and um the the impression i got from that was joanna's feelings were very strong about this topic and that's what i think makes it good it comes from somewhere very real where you know you're kind of trying to find yourself culturally in a space where God, I'm not equipped to talk about this. <laughs> where in, in, in a space you where you're kind of melted into, like, you know, we're American, we're Bostonian, we're this, we're that, we're like, you know, like what Diane's dad says in the beginning, like, you know, I don't want to talk about Vietnamese history on my day off because he was like a Vietnamese history professor. Um, and you know, that sort of like loss of cultural identity that a lot of people go through once their families come to America and I don't know. It's just, I thought that that hit really well. Um, very hard to reconcile that point with Alison Brie voicing Diane. <laughs> I mean, that's just like the big elephant in the room all the mm-hmm. time, especially with this mm-hmm. episode. Alison Brie is white. Diane is Vietnamese. Like, and Raphael can like do 50 million interviews of it but like it doesn't change that fact and I think that's something that would make this episode miss for a lot of people just on that simple fact but you know I've been on the social medias and blah 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 and like I've been seeing a lot of people getting stuff out of this and while for me personally my experience with it isn't as one-to-one, I know that feel of, like, trying to escape your dumb bullshit life and trying to go, like, find yourself somewhere where you'll think you'll be more accepted. And it doesn't really pan out that way ever, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle and April, any thoughts on how the episode executed the, the this part of the storyline? Uh, the 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 whitewashing part. Oh, which, which, well, which part? Well, like yeah. the, the the cultural aspect of like tr- trying to get into Vietnamese culture and it. Uh, I think the one thing that I thought was really, really interesting about this episode was like this sort of perpetual feeling of displacement, right? That Diane is having because you have that flashback. When she's talking to her dad, when she's a teenager, she's like, dad, like, I want to know about our culture. Like, why do I look different from everyone else? So clearly when she's growing up in Boston, like she definitely feels like an outsider, right? Like she, she grew up there, but like, she doesn't feel like she blends in. And so this idea that she can go to Vietnam and like experience like the roots of her culture, but she doesn't speak the language and she's never been there before. And she puts on these clothes, but they feel like a costume. It's like, yeah, she's, she's an outsider there too. So where, where can she fit that like feels like actual home? Like where is she not displaced? And I think that's a very interesting idea. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I was going to say, I actually really, um, you know, despite all of the whitewashing and everything like that, I think it's really interesting that within the episode, she's, um, like, she sort of, uh, again, Diane is not my most favorite character, but I like that she's kind of, like, owning the fact that she's, like, I'm American here in, like, this foreign country, and then yeah. she's, like, even even at that point when she sort of, like, owns up to it, she's just, like, no, me American. And there's, like, that whole scene with, like, the American tourists, and they're, like, no, me American. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, like, I almost, like, appreciated that scene just because of the fact that, like, Alison Brie is very much not Vietnamese and the fact that she is supposed to portray this character. And that even in that moment where she's like, no, like, I'm American. And they're like, no, me American. Yes. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is the whole scene was a disaster. But at the same time, I was just like, like, I almost appreciate it specifically because Alison Brie is not a Vietnamese, like, like of descent in any way shape or form but she is also portraying diane who is supposed to be and i was like like i was like this in like encapsulates like that whole like conversation almost because again she's like no i like i'm american i'm from los angeles and they're like no me american and i'm like can you like it's it's a circle and i'm like can you guys like stop but at the same time i'm like okay, like, I understand where this is coming from. So, <laughs> like, I appreciate it in that sense in terms of, like, the whole, like, whitewashing it. Because, especially because, like, the fact that Alison Brie is not, like, Vietnamese and Diana's supposed to be, and, like, that's a hot topic with this show at this, you know, in, in this moment of its life cycle is that, like, hey, like, you have all of these, like, minorities, and then, but at the same time, they're voiced by white people. Like, what's going on? So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, like I, I, my personal reaction to it is because I, I, I'm also like in this situation of being a second generation person, the person where my parents are not from the United States. I was raised mm-hmm. in the United States, mm-hmm. but like I look, I don't look exactly like a white person. So like <laughs> uh, I, in, when I'm in the United States, there's uh, you always get the feeling that you're not totally with like accepted by everyone, no matter what. But then also when I go to Guatemala, like uh, I come off as an American, I have an I have an accent I just can't get rid of. So the and so you end up feeling like, well, my parents are from here. I should feel more comfortable here now that I'm around people who look like me. But it's, it doesn't work that way. But yet where I where I grew up, it doesn't feel that way either. So in the end, well, what am I supposed to? Why, why can't I find a place like that? So I, I definitely relate to, to that feeling in particular and just the idea of that, that line that I think April mentions of like you, you, you put something on and but it feels like a costume and you, it just doesn't doesn't work and you and you have to come to that realization at some point. But so it, at least in, in that aspect, I think that the episode works really well and it, it, com- it comes off that whoever was in charge of writing this it comes from a mixed race background just because it does feel that it gives that off very well. And I think that, especially coming from the perspective of Diane being <laughs> sounding American and acting for the most part, just like, you know, any other American character on television. So it fits very much with the her displacement in this society as well. And also that, that little scene that we mentioned about Diane and her dad and her dad not really wanting to explain much about her heritage. Like, 
Especially that the, the like the little line where she, he he says something like, "Well, Diane says something like, but uh, people say I'm different." And Dad's like, "Don't let anybody tell you you're different. You belong." So it's like the parents want their kids to fit in no matter what. But sometimes when it, in in pushing that narrative, we they end up minimizing where they came from, and that ends up having an effect on the kids as well. So like I also appreciated that little detail since I've I've seen that happen in my family and in other families, but from 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 children's from childhood. So just uh, the, the the these little details did did stand out to me on second watch. Uh, just like fo- focusing more on uh, on those uh, angles. So I I I appreciated the, the, those very much. Yeah, but um, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I'd also say, like, maybe this episode's a long time coming because it's season five. And before this episode, I can't think of a time Diane was really (sighs) anything was drawn attention to the fact that she was Vietnamese American, like anything at all. I think that's where some of the early criticism of her being Vietnamese American kind of came from, because like when she's voiced by a white lady and two it's never really talked about ever. So it gives kind of this weird implications like, oh yeah, we decided this identity for her for like the heck of it without like really getting into like the repercussions of what that experience would be like for a character. And I think like that's still kind of a thing (laughs) that should be talked about more. Like I do think this episode's a step in the right direction, but again, it's like season five. Why haven't we gotten more Diane from this person? Like, and this isn't all yeah, she is, yeah. but like, why has it been pushed away until now, basically? Why hasn't it been a bigger conversation? The way like other things really have, like we're going to talk later in future podcasts about like Bojack the Feminist and like this show's so good about talking about certain topics really, really well, but this one seems like kind of a blind spot for them. Maybe because they were too busy having Diane Mr. Peanut Butter <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> well, like relationship stuff instead of identity stuff. I mean, I yeah. think that's a shame then, if that's the case. Because I think Diane's more interesting than Mr. Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will yeah. get, get into the relationship side of this episode, but just also uh, another thing with this show is that it focuses so much on Los Angeles which is depicted in this show as like the place where everybody can blend in and no nobody really uh, stands out because it's just a, a mishmash of everything. So, but like, it, but that also when you say it like that, it feels almost like hiding behind it, right? Like, okay, well, if mm-hmm. if everyone's together, then that means we never really need to talk about it because nobody cares. But uh, at, at, le- at least the, this episode presents a situation for the first time where this is actually where this becomes relevant and gives an opportunity to dig into it and ha- and has important themes to dig out of it. So uh, at least it is a step in the right direction. I'd agree there. Um, but uh, another the part of Diane finding herself is also in terms of coming out of a, of a relationship as well, because uh, as. Uh, as is displayed later in this episode, they they have their divorce. So they're trying to stay friends, her and Mr. Peanut Butter. But then Diane sees Peanut Butter move on to, to uh, Pickles, the, the dog. Oh, Pickles. Um, pickles. I, <laughs> Sweet dog. I don't like Pickles. Yeah, I guess oh, me neither. We can do a quick, quick discussion I, of Pickles here. She's <laughs> a sweet dog with a kind heart. And I'm not even a dog person, but like. I don't think there's anything wrong with pickles. Let me rephrase that. I like 
like she's fine as a character. I don't like her design because she's a pug, <laughs> and the way her <laughs> mouth moves when she talks. Oh, makes me feel okay. Weak. No, that's totally fair. <laughs> also, I feel like she has her tongue out a lot more than Mr. Peanut Butter does. So, like, she's younger. Pug, that's you why she's, she's more <laughs> excited. Do. <laughs> it's on it, brand for pugs is what you're saying yeah. yes it's the pug nature i guess <laughs> uh but but yeah the, there's this whole the sequence at the end where uh, the um mr peanut butter goes in to kiss uh, pickles oh, and diane diane is witnessing all <laughs> this and uh, diane gives this uh, amazing monologue of like uh, when, when he did it to you it made you feel safe and you realize he'll never do that to you again it breaks your heart again and you thought your heart was so broken that you thought it could never get any more broken so yep. like it just that and that delivery is done as she's like seeing herself uh, crying all over the place all over again so th- th- now this episode the other angle is diane recovering from a relationship do we sympathize with, with Diane? I, I don't know what the question here is with, but like, it, uh, how do, do we, we feel like about to see her to cry? Say, like, yeah, no, it's it's interesting for me too. Be like, that's why this int- like this episode specifically is so interesting for me because like, as I've already mentioned, like Diane is my least favorite character, but at the same time, like in this episode, I can relate to her so much, and maybe it's because like. I've been through a divorce before, so I can totally understand, like, where she's coming from. And it's it's interesting, like, the way that this episode is framed. But, like, that last, like, delivery, like, I, like, almost shed a tear. I was just like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> like, I'm, like, well, and that's the thing, too, because, like, you never know how, like, the end of a relationship is going to affect you. And then, especially because, like... Like, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter were together for so long, it seems. And they sort of, like, I guess, go into that, like, especially in, like, later episodes and outside of, you know, the first three and everything. But, like, they had been together for a very long time. And so, like, um, and, and, you know, they go into the whole fact of, like, growing up together and everything like that. And so it's it's kind of, like, interesting because I, I sort of, like, went through that, too. And so when she's just, like, it's she's like you know like you think you're over it but then like you see him doing these things and you're like it's like you crumble into yourself and like with my ex like like don't get me wrong I I never want to be with my ex ever again and I'm so happy with like my current relationship and everything like that but like like when we first broke up and or like you know separated and everything like that and there was like a moment where he was like oh yeah like I'm with this new person blah 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 and I was just like like I wanted to die and so like I yeah and and you never like think that of yourself because you're like I'm over this like I'm done like the relationship's over like I'm a new person which like goes back to like her like doing the haircut and she's dressing differently and everyone like points it out and but then like there's like that moment where you're where like it's not so much that they're trying to throw it in well I believe my ex was trying to throw it in my face but at the same time like Mr. Peanut Butter wasn't trying to throw it in her face but she sort of caught it and it's like you want to die and you're like can I not be alive anymore and so I I relate to that so much like and I like that this is sort of framed in like a BuzzFeed kind of article style <laughs> because like when I was going through like my separation with my ex like we didn't have these kind of like situations and so I'm like Ugh, like why like it's sort of like it like brings up old feelings but and I'm like 
I hate it, but at the same time, I'm like, this is kind of wonderful at the same time. So <laughs> that's just like my initial reaction to it, especially as someone who's like kind of been through Diane's situation before, because I'm like, I'm reliving it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so much better because of this. Thank you, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter. I appreciate you <laughs> and your failing relationship. <laughs> Well, and the the episode throws out that lifeline of hope at the end because after this monologue, like Diane says, well, uh, now you learn that you can survive being alone, right? Like that that's a mm-hmm. thing that I think a lot mm-hmm. of us yep. end up having to, to realize at some point. Exactly. And, like, I don't think Mr. Peanut Butter, for the record, can survive alone. The first thing he said when they broke up is, like, you know, like, sometimes I do, like, miss you, like, being in this giant house alone. I think Mr. Peanut Butter, like, legitimately needs some form of companionship. I don't think he can be alone. Yeah, he (laughs) is literally a a dog. He can't handle the independence of being alone. Well, and it also ends up being a a sign of maturity here, right? Like, Diane is able to grow from this experience, whereas Peanut Butter is not really. So, like, and and I think that says a lot about her character, that in the process, this whole episode is framed around finding yourself, right? And I guess the, the episode is kind of saying, like, finding yourself isn't really something that happens in in like one trip or is something that's tangible but at the same time in progressing to the point where she's come to this realization it is kind of in a way like she successfully found herself or at least she found a version of herself that is happier than when she left uh, I, I don't know how you guys feel about the the episode in terms of like it's or explaining or fleshing out like what it means really to even find yourself when you go on these kinds of like um, emotional journeys. I think it's just figuring out like your independence. You know what I mean? Like, like some people I know, and I could never imagine them like going to Vietnam, Vietnam by themselves. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's funny because she frames it around like oh, to reconnect with your ancestral roots. And I'm like, okay, girl, whatever you say. Like, <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> yeah. But then it's it's great, too, because, like, at number two, she's like, you can be a tourist here. And I'm like, that is exactly what you are right now. Like, stop kidding anybody. Like, you didn't go with your family. You didn't go with your parents. Like, you're here because you don't know who you are, like, as you're single. And then it's interesting, too, because uh, what is it like point number three is like, you're single now. And I'm like, yes, you are single now. Like, I'm glad it took you until point number three to figure that out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> true. So I think that it, it's like it, it's sort of like a, what is it like the 10 reasons to go to Vietnam or like the 10 like ways to discover who you are outside of a relationship almost. So. I think that's a good point. And I think I, my perspective of Diane at the end of the episode was that she, she had come to terms with the fact that like she, she didn't discover any groundbreaking new information, Mm -hmm. but she did realize that she could, she was getting to a different place and that she was the one who put herself there. And that was kind of like enough for now. And that, you know, her, her, her finding herself is going to be kind of a lifelong process, but at least she, she feels like, okay, like, my apartment sucks, but it's mine. And I knew I was in a bad marriage. And I'm out of it now. And yeah, it sucks to see my ex 
doing things with a new person that used to feel so personal and intimate to the two of us, regardless of the fact that I knew we had to break up, like that kind of hurts too. Um, which I think like, you know, like I can identify with that. I mean, but I don't know. I think that the, like Sam was saying, like the independence thing is like huge, but it's also not the end of that journey. Obviously it's just like the first thing she can kind of point to and be like, Oh, okay, no, I am in a different place now. And, the, and the, like some of this isn't like super glamorous or great, but I feel okay with this. And I think the feeling okay is like super important because she wasn't feeling okay in the marriage. Yeah. She knew something was wrong and she didn't even know what was wrong. And I think she kind of got on her own case and decided, well, like maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm just like awful. I need to like I need to not do this and do something else. So she she did a really big change and she went to a different country and that didn't work. But she's slowly kind of figuring out like, okay, like that didn't work. The marriage didn't work. But like this thing I'm doing right now, like this feels better. So I guess I'm tentatively on the right track somewhere. And that's what feels uplifting to me about it. It's not like she has a ton of answers, but she she's just in a, in a slightly better place than she was. And that feels like enough for now and that like i like that yeah and the the episode it, it ends with diane just being able to say calmly like i'm happy for you mr peanut butter and like that, that's yeah how mm-hmm. comes, right? like she got to that place like that takes a lot to get to that place yeah it yeah. really does though i won't lie <laughs> <laughs> she, like fast tracked that though you, you think like, they I went a bit know. too fast sam okay so my thing like fast tracking meaning like you know she got over it very quickly but i guess she was just doing other shit which she was obviously um i would have just been like i'm happy for you and then never actively saw mr peanut butter again (laughs) but then you know the rest of the season happens and they keep fucking interacting so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but but not true to life there but (laughs) <laughs> well, com- confined to this episode, it, fe- it feels uplifting. Like, I- if Diane wa- wanted to never see Mr. Peanut Butter again after that moment, she'd be perfectly valid in doing so. Like, but like the, the, that, the, I think that was a mm-hmm. that was a good moment to to end on, just like her being able to speak calmly about what had hurt her previously after going through all this entire journey. Now, in the middle of this, Diane also, we, we focus on two other relationships besides Mr. Peanut Butter in this episode. Um, I guess we could talk about Diane and Bojack. That's a, a connection oh my that God. <laughs> comes, up, uh, comes up again and again in this episode. Um, at, at first, Bojack just appears to help Diane move into this shitty apartment. Um, uh, I would like to mention that the apartment's name is Le Triste, which is just French for the sad apartment. So, is uh, it for real? That's really? I love that. Thank you, Alex. Oh my God. There's nothing wrong with living in a shitty studio apartment. That's where I live. You I feel for you, wrong. Diane. Diane, like, kind of, like, she's not, like, in love with it, but she also is like, no, no, no. Like, I'd rather live here than in Bojack's nice house. Like, it's, yep, it's right? her decision. Yeah. No, so, I totally there's something to be that. said for it. It's it's so weird because whenever like me and my ex split up, I moved into the the shittiest apartment I've ever lived in in my life, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm out here making it on my own. Like, suck it, everybody. And everyone's like, <laughs> you move. Do you want to move in with me? And I was like, no, I love my shitty apartment. Leave me alone. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Sorry, no, like no, no, I can relate to that. No, this like, does seem relatable. No, because she comes from a place where she's just like, no, this apartment's great. And I'm like, 
mm, girl, you know that apartment sucks. Like, get out of here. Yeah, that there's a hole in the wall. I believe at some point there's leaks yes, coming from leaks the, from the into her room. coffee. That's so yeah. scary. Um, uh, at, during this moving scene also there's a line that will, will show up later in the season where Diane says to Bojack there's literally nothing you haven't told me um, that, that, that <laughs> comes back later in the oh, season yes it but, does um, mm-hmm. but, but later once there's this um, scene where she has to work from home due to cockroaches in IT trying to unionize and therefore they crew murdered them <laughs> oh my god that's so that is dark <laughs> Yeah, they're exterminators. I mean, negotiators. Like, uh, that, that, the, the tr- trying to hide it. But. screams. Uh, how the bourgeoisie lives, man. They just fucking <laughs> squash unions, literally. Wow. Fumigate wow, them so to deep. death. <laughs> I know, I'm so deep, guys. Anyway. Uh, so she has to turn her work into a workcation. Um, step sits in her BuzzFeed article. And so she shows up to Bojack's apartment with the, uh, a sad, sad girl in a terrible apartment, which I think is actually like a like a okay line of like displaying their friendship type thing where like Diane says it not, not totally seriously, but like jokingly enough for like to feel their regret for it. I, I don't know. I, I just like the delivery yeah, yeah. of that line. Sort of thing. I'm a sad, sad girl with a dirty, dirty <laughs> apartment. <laughs> yeah, when you told Sam, when you say it, it's so I much more like, sexual. Bojack, like, you can't make your friends say this. This is so messed up. That, yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the take I got of him say, asking him to say, for her to say that. I thought he was going to be like, adjective girl anything, it's a little suspect. Yeah. I'm a sad, sad girl with a dirty, dirty apartment. Please let me stay in your guest house. Yeah. (laughs) Look, the fact that Diane didn't say it like that, I think, says wonders about their friendship. Exactly. (laughs) Wrong, Alex. But but actually, going along that line, Diane and Bojack get drunk together later, and that Diane has to point out that they're both single at the same time for the first time in the course Uh... of the show. Honey, and, Diane, what and, are you doing? Uh, but but Bojack pushes back. He he doesn't really lean into it. Or do you think he's that... scared? He is so scared. <laughs> that is the most part I've ever been of Bojack ever. Yeah, the, that he did not even for a minute like get go down because he could have gone into it with her. Like oh yeah, it's like so weird. Like what do you think that is? But he didn't. He like pushed that away. He's like this feels weird. We're not going to talk about this anymore. He just shut it down both times. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll get more into Bojack when we talk about the light bulb scene. But I think that this is like a small sign in like the, the opening of the season that Bojack was on a path. So at least st- he's starting off better in this season than I think he started off in other seasons. So I think it's just it's just a nice thing to add to his character in terms of his improvements ba- based on comparing it to like season one or season two sort of thing. But uh, yeah, the Diane pa- passes out, and uh, she eventually goes goes back to work. And then at the very end, when Diane is flying back to the United States, uh, Diane ca- calls Bojack. It's like I just need a friend, and Bojack is hearing her out. And uh, that, that's also a pretty so- somber conversation. There's not really jokes there, which is kind of rare for a Bojack conversation. But um, yeah, so that Diane Bojack, um, it's starting in a in a fine place in this episode obviously later episodes we'll get into how it begins devolving but um 
I think that this episode shows how a Diane Bojack friendship could be helpful if they were both in the right place at the right time, mentally speaking. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Because it seems like they have such a rapport, but I think it's because they're so similar in a lot of really bad self-destructive ways. Like, that's a big part of why they kind of get along, which is sad. But, I mean, why do you... I'm curious, though, like, because we're saying, yeah, like, points for Bojack for not making things weird with Diane, but why do you guys think this is, like, the one time he's willing to do that? He's he's slept with, like, so many other people. Like, he slept with the girl who was a child baby on his old show. Like, why (laughs) won't he sleep with Diane? Like, why do you think he's not willing to risk his friendship with her? What's so special about it? Because she knows too know. much about him. Like, I, I, I think it's, it's also, like, it's something that they slightly address, like, later on in the season, too. And I mean, kind of spoilers. But, like, he he mentions later in the season that, like, he, like, if, of anyone, he feels the closest to her. And so it's kind of, like, looking back, and I, I guess that's kind of what this podcast is, is, like, looking back at these first three episodes, like, after watching the entire season, like, he has so much respect for her that he is not going to, like, s- like sleep with her or even, like, so much as to say, like, take advantage of her when she is most vulnerable. Because not only is she, like, intoxicated, but she's also, like, you know, coming out of this divorce, like, she's extremely vulnerable from that, and she even, like, says so, which is, like, the craziest part, because she's just like, oh, my God, we're both single, and it's like, whoa, girl, slow your roll. Like, I think that's, like, like, from that, like, looking at it from the entire season, like, he, he respects her so much that he is not going to do that to her. If, that makes any kind of sense, which is extremely like crazy for Bojack because like, even, you know, like we'd mentioned, like even with like Sarah Lynn and like anyone else in this show, he's like been so quick to like, okay, cool. Like, let me lay with you kind of situation. <laughs> let me lay with you. I love that. It's You're true. Welcome. But no, it is like, and that's the thing. Like he respects Diane so much that even after she is coming out of a divorce with one of his least favorite people, like of, as we know of, of the world. And then she's also like drunk. He's still not going to have sex with her. Like that's kind of crazy. And it sounds terrible because it's Bo- like it's Bojack. And we're and sitting there like. he was in like, love with her. He was in exactly. love with her before. That's, that's, that's the other thing too. Like he was in love with her. Like, he even admits to it. Like, he's like, I'm in love with you. Like, before she even married Mr. Peanut Butter, he was just yeah. like, like, and he was, like, plotting ways to, de- like, yeah, to it was end the- bad. Yeah, it was super bad. And so it's it's so crazy to be like, wow, Bojack, look at you. Like, we're so proud of you in this moment. But, like, that's such a low bar to set for a human being. Well, a horse or whatever. <laughs> but, like, for an... I don't know, an animate object. <laughs> no, yeah, admittedly for Bojack, we have lowered standards. So because of that, this appears maybe more impressive than it should. But Exactly. Like, it's something to point out, I guess. But um, No, I'm going to point it out to you because it, it's like crazy, like how low the bar like is set for Bojack. And then we're going to sit here and be like, Wow, we're so proud of you for not having sex with Diane whenever she was drunk. Like, good for you. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, that does like make perfect sense though, April. So like, I guess to me, it's like a combination of the, he, he does actually respect her more than he is willing to be selfish, which was maybe the problem when it came to everyone else that he has slept with, like his own needs would trump theirs. And that's why he would always break up with people. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I guess is like you were saying, he's so close to her. The, what he would lose is so like the stakes are so much higher with Diane than probably anyone else at this point. And to the potential to jeopardize that is also like too scary for him to, to throw it all away over her saying suggestive things. Like it's actually super selfish. If you think about it, like in a way, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry to derail this, but it's really like selfish of him. Like, like we're going to sit here and be like, how, like how nice of him, like to not take advantage of a girl. But at the same time, it's like, no, your motivations were completely like, like solely like self-motivated at the same time, because he's like, like, but also because she knows, like, so much, like, dirty shit about, about him. And it's not, like, even outside of the book because she, you know, she was the person who wrote the book about him and everything like that. And she sort of, like, aired out his dirty laundry. But she didn't air out all of his dirty laundry. She didn't and, know all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll be getting back to that later in the season once she figures out more dirty laundry. But uh, yeah, so but Bojack and Diane have a strong piece in this episode. Also, just quickly touching, we also had Diane having a relationship with a uh, gr- a person claiming to be a grip ends up being a best boy. Um, it starts as the 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 grip assuming that she's Vietnamese n- native and just to, to, talking to her as if she doesn't understand English. Diane goes along with it, and they have this uh, whirlwind romance for like three minutes before a a stage light falls and she begins speaking English again. Uh, she calls him out on just wanting some Saigon girl cosplay, like not her, him being like, oh, there's a real connection between us, even though Diane hadn't spoken at all for the past uh, three, <laughs> three hours or so. Um, I, 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 I'd like the part of this where she says something along the lines, like it feels good to just relieve yourself of the burdens of who you are, like protect... Pretending to be someone you're not, at least temporarily, does give you that that kind of like uh, uh, it, it feels freeing to, to not be feel like someone doesn't know your history at all, and so because of that, you can pretend to be maybe more more flirty or more open than you usually would be because of your own imposed anxieties. That that little line out of this scene stood out to me. I don't know if any other parts of this piece of the story stood out to you guys. Um, a little bit. Like, she kind of, it's kind of like one of those, like, she let her inhi- her inhibitions, like, go kind of thing. I mean, they weren't to, like, the extreme as, like, other people's go to, but, um, I think it's interesting, though, to, like, portray her in the fact that, like, she's in Vietnam and she's just pretending to be, like, natural Vietnamese kind of thing. Um, so, and it, it's interesting, too, because they're kind of, like, she's framing it in, a, like, discover a new you. And I was like, are you really being a new you? Or are you just being, like, a you who doesn't speak English kind of you? Like, you could have done that in L.A. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's enough tourists there. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, S- Sam, did you have a- any thoughts uh, on, on this piece of the episode? I 
thought you brought up something good. That was, uh, like, you know, if you go somewhere else, that you kind of aren't surrounded by, like, what's expected of you or, like, how your friends know you, how your exes know you, et cetera, et cetera. You can just be a whole new person, except one that doesn't talk. <laughs> you know, that's just how it is, I guess. Anyway, um, I, I definitely, I think that's a great thing that's sort of universal that I felt sometimes. I'll, I'll just say one more thing about that, like, new identity thing. Because, like, to my in my perspective, Diane wasn't even accurately portraying like whatever like a local in that situation would have done she was portraying like her americanized perception of what like the ideal woman this bald eagle guy was th- like so she was like really quiet and she's just like oh yeah let's hear more about you like i don't think a lot of normal people would do that but it's like she's, she's playing into his fantasy more than anything organic and i think that's like another interesting layer to the whole thing Mm-hmm. I agree. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think we've covered everything about <laughs> that. Yeah. Oh my god, about one episode. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, j- just uh, some quick hits on like stuff that isn't really related to Diane. This episode, um, there's a, a joke that uh, Bojack tells about that time when Old Navy told me they were looking for a fresher face and ended up with That's Sherman Helmsley. That was my <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> like Sherman Helmsley actually like do things for Old Navy. Um, probably not. <laughs> he's been he's been dead since 2012, but um, maybe he did uh, old navy stuff I'll in look, his later. Let me days. look. He if, if you did. Look he did. Oh, okay, good. In 1998. <laughs> he, maybe no. he was still fresh in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, 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 if you have a picture of Sherman Helmsley in your head when you hear that joke, it's much funnier. So uh, I would just recommend googling that. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the, the the therapist shows up here. Uh, her step seven is your therapist tells you to go, go to Vietnam. <laughs> and uh, she is divulging personal information about Demi Moore and Bruce Willis and Angelina Jolie. And that is going to come up in, in sub. <laughs> but I, I just found it funny on rewatch. Like, oh, okay, so this is actually set up. Her just like letting. Oh, yeah, because know about later they have that whole entire episode. Yeah, no, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Diane frequently gets mentioned about her neck because she gets a haircut in this episode. Hashtag long neck. Yeah, so I I like Diane's haircut a lot. Yeah, me too. I like it too. I love the shape. I also like it. Yes, I like the coloring. Is it? It's a coloring or is it shaved? I don't know. I I don't know. It could be either. I've been trying to figure this out for like the past however long that we've had footage of it. I think it's shaved specifically <laughs> because I want to shave my head also. And yes, I'm like, damn it, Diane, you did it first. It looks so good. You should do it anyway. Thank Everyone you. should do it. Yes. <laughs> and Diane's new haircut shows up in the intro now. So that we, we've got that to watch every episode after this. So that, that's good. And uh, and there, there's like a Laura Linney subplot here where the movie they're filming in Vietnam is about finding yourself as well. But then it turns out it's just her finding her clone. I, and I think I think that that's hilarious crazy. because it's almost like Diane's trying to like live. She's just like, but wait, what did Laura Linney like get out of this whole experience? And then it's like this crazy like subplot about like a clone and they fall in love and there's a steamy makeout scene and they're trying to like 
it goes all the way to the top. And I just thought that was hilarious because I think that's like one of those things with like, especially with like those sort of like BuzzFeed articles, because people sort of read them to like, they're like, I need better understanding of my life. And I'm like, go out and live your life and you'll understand it. Exactly. Especially, Yeah. Especially like in my workplace, because like all the time they're like trying to find meaning and things that like doesn't exist where like my favorite thing is when people talk about how like this planet is in retrograde and I'm like that literally means nothing to me and it literally means nothing upon your life but they're like that's why everything terrible is happening and I'm like no it's because like the sales team sucks and operation sucks and all of these other things suck and they all happen to suck at the same time and they're like but it's because mercury is in retrograde and I'm like no that's exactly why so I think it's kind of like funny because she's trying to find like meaning in something that means nothing, and I lo- I love that so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, they, 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 her and her clone have a hot makeout scene because it's progressive. Um, yep, sure. Honestly, I can never fucking remember who Laura Linney is. I don't know. I don't. Yes. She she yeah, was okay. She was in the Truman Show. That's about all I know. Oh, she's yeah. also done other things, but that's my main. Take away from Laura Linney. She was in the Truman Show. I think she was Truman's wife. Thank you, uh, Sam. Uh, listeners, please comment your favorite Laura Linney roles. In the <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because nobody. I'm. I'm sorry, Laura Linney. I'm sure you're a very nice woman, and I'm sorry that I can't remember all of your work. You're like the Margot Martindale to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually remember more of Margot Martindale's roles. However, wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> And finally, just a quick mention that the outro music for this episode is performed by Tao Nguyen, which is doing a Vietnamese version of the usual Bojack outro. So that's a nice ending bow to the episode. But uh, yeah, so I guess that leaves us with a little bit of time to talk about the other episodes. In this. Just a bit. Um, in in both the light bulb scene and planned obsolescence, we talk about um, Todd's asexuality. That was a plotline that was introduced last season, and that that season ended with Todd and Yolanda get getting together and being like, "Hey, let's try this out." And so the light bulb scene touches on it uh, briefly with a, a scene at dinner between Yolanda and and Todd and uh, um, Emily and the firefighter person. <laughs> Firefighter oh. Joe. I don't remember. <laughs> was it Steve or was it Joe? They're, they're, oh they boy, here we go. Steve and Joe. So I think it was Joe. Uh, th- this particular one was Steve. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> it. got us again. <laughs> uh, but I, I really like this scene because of just how easily they explain asexuality without it feeling totally out of place because it's delivered in the goofy Todd way of, of doing it. Like it, it can be a romantic or ba romantic, asexual or ba sexual, and you can be bb or ba. But I'm AB, and so like it, it, it's it, when you see it written out, it's like okay, that that makes sense is like a solid explanation for what asexuality is. Well, at the same time, like it still works within the BoJack Horseman framework of like just being like a a, a funnily delivered line. So I I especially love that that part in terms of depicting the asexuality of of Todd and Yolanda. Um, I, I don't know how how you guys feel just about the general. Uh, we can include planned obsolescence in this as well because it's also touched upon although maybe more framed in jokes but how do we feel about this show and its handling of asexuality in these two episodes 
So thumbs up to the serious stuff. Yes. I thought yes. that was nice. Thumbs down to the tub of lube, of course. Yes. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think like they've done a good job thus far of portraying asexuality. Uh, as to whether or not it jives personally with me, can't speak upon it. Not my experience in this flaming rock we call the Earth. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good and informative. I was gonna say so. I think that's great though. Like my I guess um, to build off of like Sam, I think it's um, between the two episodes. I I want to say like. I almost appreciate the first episode more than I do like the um, I, the third one. Well, yeah, the third one in terms of addressing asexuality because I feel like the like planned adolescence, sorry, um, is so like crazy yes. that yeah, and I think that's like I think that's part of my problem with it. Like, like I appreciate that the show is addressing like asexuality as like a topic and everything like that. Like, don't get me wrong, but I feel like this episode is just so like over the top and it's just like, it's almost obscene. Like, especially with like Yolanda's like family and how like her mom's like a porn star and her dad, I don't even remember what her dad, dad does, but it's like, very he like, like an academic and he likes to write no, he, books yeah, about he sexuality. Like, yeah. He writes like erotic novels. That right. Are right. Yes. Novels. And then like her sister too. Like I was just like, this is so over the top that I feel like, like again, I'm not like, I'm not an asexual. So it's really hard for me. But again, like I can, I like, I try, I try very hard to relate. And so I'm just like, I feel like, even like as an asexual, I would be uncomfortable with this episode, especially when they're just like, they're just like, like, like sh- the mom like tries to like undresses herself in front of like Todd, and I'm like, no, this is not okay. Like in any way, shape, or form, like it doesn't even matter. Like even if like it wasn't like trying to address the topic of asexuality, like th- this is I'm not okay with this. Like. <laughs> So I think, like, I'll give the first episode that, but, like, the second episode, even, like, my husband who, like, watched the episode with me, like, or watched these first three episodes with me, like, the first episode, he was like, okay, like, I understand what, like, being asexual is, like, and I thought, I, like, I thought that was great because I was just like, wow, like, I'm, like, he's like, I, he's like, I understand, I appreciate it, especially because he's been kind of, like, watching the show with me and everything like that. And so I was just like, hey, like, like, good for you. Like, I'm proud of you. But then, like, when it came to this episode, he's like, April, this episode's, like, really, like, absurd. And I'm like, thank you. Yes, I agree (laughs) with you. Like, if you can see that this is absurd, then I also agree that this is absurd. Like, specifically, like... I don't know, like, it's it's too much almost, like, like, it's almost like exploiting the fact that asexuals don't, like, that's who they are kind of situation, so. Yeah, know. and, like, nothing was accomplished, the only thing that Thank happened you. is that, nothing got you accomplished. know, Todd broke up with Yolanda, like, wow, that was some, thank goodness. That okay, was I, thought, a- I thought, I thought <laughs> that that brought up something interesting in that the only reason why they were together is because they were both asexual. When in reality, you want to have somebody you can actually drive with and somebody you can actually I be will, in a relationship with. I, mean, I think I, that's I, good, I agree with that part. That, 
that whole focus took like a backseat to all the shenanigans, though. If that's they, true, if it had been more about their relationship, I feel like their relationship was like the framing around the shenanigans and not the other way around. I think if there had been more heart to heart, so more just like, oh, let's see them react differently in a situation and and have to confront the fact that they only have one thing in common. But instead, we spend like. Most of the time in her parents' house, falling over each other in lube. And I'm just like, why are, why are we spending time here? I want to oh check God. on everyone else because this feels like just killing time and treading water. Dude, doesn't the mom also just, like, wear, like, ten layers of clothes yes. or something? She does, but, like, why are we... <laughs> Why do we even care? Like, why why are yeah. we doing this weird, like, yeah. just, to, thing just to get to the point? Like, like, that's the thing, too, is, like, just, like, at the end of the episode, he's just like, wait, why did you tell your parents I went to college when I didn't? And she's just like, oh, to make you seem better. And he's like, what? Like, like, I can appreciate Todd in that, like, those, like, last, like, five minutes or whatever. But I'm like, why did it, like, why did we have the previous like 20 minutes to get to this point like we could have accomplished that like I can respect Todd in that fact but I'm like why did we have this whole like like debolical with like like them being asexual and then like her her family being like overly sexual like it just seemed so almost it was almost wasted like because I'm like what why like what was the point <laughs> right and I, I think that's why it's important to to highlight that ending scene of planned obsolescence because i think that that's where in that episode like the the, the scene where they break up like that's the most meaningful part of that episode yeah. really and like I, I i do like the cut where yolanda shouts that she's asexual finally and then it just cuts to one thorough but respectful dialogue later <laughs> so, I mean, like after all yes. the hijinks it's like okay well they'll they'll just talk about it off screen and it's like oh hey and that's what they ended up doing <laughs> yeah so uh, but i i also like the message that just because you're, bo- you're both asexual doesn't mean that you have to be automatically paired together and like you need to have more stuff connecting you and i also like that piece of episode one too because that's also a small c plot thing in the first episode where yolanda's like well i can't really tell people about you because you don't have a job and todd is actually looking for a job like he's actually yeah. like trying to putting in his his side of the other uh, relationship but then in episode three it's like it's still not enough like yolanda still feels the need to hide other things so it, I, I like that that little progression of Todd and Yolanda's relationship. But yeah, it, it's just the giant chunk that we remember is the setscapades. And that just that is just plug it up with your penis. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> OK, the, the, the big toe being the penis of the foot is kind of is kind of a good. OK, joke. yes. <laughs> is, is it? I don't think the big toe. Is the penis of the foot. I, think, I think that distinction probably like. Okay. biologically we'll probably go to like the pinky toe because it's hmm. just I, at least it's my pinky there. toe it doesn't really have too much of a bone in it and like i can't really move it that much so oh, oh look here's a better thought why not just the thumb like the thumb is much more or like more... a finger yeah fist, you have more dexterity like... with the thumb w- yeah. which finger is the penis of the hand i feel like uh... it's the thumb because it's more maneuverable i, I don't I think like... so. i 
I feel mm. like the fing- the middle finger or your index or your pointer finger. I think the pointer <laughs> finger yeah, should be. Yeah. But not the I th- thumb. I think either, either middle or ring. Ooh, yeah. I like Wait, to classify yeah. things as penises that I can't really move that well on their own. But they can, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to cut some things out. <laughs> no, we don't. This is a... No, we're We talked about penises for about 20% of the time that this episode that talked about penises, body. okay? So we're safe. We're good. Uh, so, yeah. Speaking of penises... Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of penises, uh, Bojack is naked in an episode, I guess. Um, oh yeah, in the first one, he has to like yeah, strip true. naked because Which Rami Malik is hilarious. like <laughs> Rami Malik yeah. is like it'll show like the character's soul if he's just screwing in a light bulb naked. Who does that? Yeah, I, we're going no. back to the- <laughs> watch out for the broken glass. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I believe he also plopped his penis into yogurt later. Ah, uh, so I I thought that whole thing was hilarious because aren't like horses supposed to have like huge penises? And oh he's just God. like walking around like, yeah, it's not like anything you haven't seen before. And I'm like, oh, well, which God. is why when 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 Rami Malek is like, and it has to be erect so we show respect. Bojack is exactly. like, what? Because <laughs> like it's like no no we want to see your old like flabby like out of shape body and really like. <laughs> your vulnerability but you must have an erect penis on top of that or just no deal i don't know how penises work are they usually like they're not know. usually i know erect. they're i know they're not usually erect i'm not that dumb <laughs> but like, but questions. You, like do you just randomly get erections and then you change your light bulb like what, what's that about well maybe because <laughs> the, the darkness is a metaphor for darkness putting on the light arouses him because it's the uh, opposite of darkness I don't right, like, like that. Even the thought of darkness also arouses him, even if he's screwing in a new light bulb. Like, if I didn't do this, it'd be real dark right now. And he's very, like, oh boy. I mean, that's what gets me going, guys. I'm this is saying. very deep Filbert analysis. <laughs> we should have a Filbert spinoff podcast when we discuss it. There is Filbert. a whole Filbert episode, I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but th- th- this first episode focuses. I-, I guess the overall arc that I put picked out of it is that Bojack, he- he's doing this Filbert ep- show, and he's realizing that this Filbert character is just him. And especially when he gets into that half drunken talk with Princess Carolyn in the middle, where he's like, "I don't want to be this guy anymore," but yet I have I'm playing him now in a show. So how is that helping me? Well, and, and I think it's hilarious too because the entire set is his house. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like he has reason uh, to be paranoid, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but and then Princess Carolyn has to give him the the speech of like, well, you're an actor. You can just put on the costume of Filbert at work, and then when you go home, be the Bojack that you want to be, and be, be a better person. It's a good and, pep talk. I don't know if it'll work, but it's a very good pep talk from Princess Carolyn. I well, think so that, too. I agree. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing, right? Like in this episode, it's like showing like this is how you can get through it. But throughout the entire season, it feels like that's the through line of Bojack just not being able to separate himself from the character he's playing 
like he's tr- he, in his mind he wants to get better theoretically but he also sees himself as this filbert type character and that just keeps go amping up and amping up until like the very end of the season with like episode 11 where he absolutely has no lines between what is real and what is fake anymore but like it's interesting that from the very beginning they're they're setting that up with just like bojack already feeling uncomfortable with how close his life is currently is to what it's being portrayed on screen and i i i I just like that that being set up very quickly in this season on rewatch um uh, also bojack and and gina gina is a new character in this season uh, uh, played by stephanie beatrice um, which i loved yeah, how how do we feel about Gina's first episodes here? We have episode one where she's just introduced as the co-star and like Bojack's uh, also rising um sets partner. But then in episode three, we also have this side plot of her listening to musicals and Bojack tries to push her to the spotlight. It doesn't work out. Oh. Uh, how, how do you feel about Gina <laughs> in these episodes? Uh, I liked her better in the first episode than I did the third episode if that's fair but i liked like gina as a character and i was even more excited whenever it was um stephanie who did the voice for her but i think it's funny too because bojack's like he's trying to be like the gentleman of the relationship and he's just like well i don't think gina would be okay with like me drawing her new or like that whole thing getting her and, in trouble yes like i was like bothered by it and i was like okay bojack i appreciate your being like a gentleman at this at this moment but like she doesn't give a fuck can you please just leave her alone like stop putting this on her not because- only does she not give a fuck but it's like he doesn't understand that the industry works very different for him than it does for her yeah and like she can't say things that he can say and get away with it and have it not affect her career Despite, like, that he is, like, you're right, he's coming from a good place, but he just, like, doesn't get that. Like, if she ever said one of those criticisms, like, that would be it for her. Mm-hmm. And it's just so different. Well, and, and it's, it's not even sure that it is good intentions, right? Because it's brought up at first with Bojack just being complaining, like, hey, yeah. are, are you with me that this character isn't written good? And at the end, in the blow up with Rami Malek, like, he, he finally blows up with, this show sucks. So like it, it, at least to me, it came off as like him using Gina's complaints as just like, okay, here's a reason that sounds smart for not liking this show. <laughs> like originally, just like, eh, this sucks. But like now, she he has something to spout. So like, at least to me, it it didn't even feel like he was doing it with the intentions of helping Gina out necessarily, but like just the, just just to complain as Rami Malek, I think correctly interprets. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I agree with that, like, 100%. It's dangerous for Gina either way, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Are there any major pieces of these? Uh, uh, pe- peanut butter, I guess we haven't... We, we've, um, touched, we've, we've touched on peanut butter. Um, mm-hmm. In episode three is where we get most of him. He's moved on to pickles. Uh, <laughs> um, they have this first date but not really a date because they want to take it slow going to see the exploding international space station um peanut butter i think from this episode is already being set up as as just someone who isn't emotionally mature i think we get that a bit deeper in later episodes but i think this episode already begins to do a good job just him not being as 
needing work at, more so than we've gotten displayed in previous seasons? Or do you think that we've already had this set up in previous seasons? Mm, I think, it, like, looking back, especially after watching, like, the entirety of the season five, I think that it really, like, hones in on the fact that Mr. Peanut Butter isn't that mature. Um, especially in, um, like one of the biggest scenes that sort of plays out for me is whenever he's picking her up from the, the airport or picking Diana from the airport. And like, as she's getting out of the car, he's like, Hey, like, I want to talk Um, again. I'm just like paraphrasing in my own head, but he's kind of like, Oh, I want to talk to you about something. And she's like, yeah, what's going on? And he says, Oh, I'm seeing someone that's not you. And I'm like, like it's like just him saying like it's not you and i'm like well obviously like like, exactly like it's it's almost one of those things especially because like given what we know from like that episode like prior from diane's standpoint especially because you know she's like oh it's whenever you like you see him like with another girl and so on and so forth and, and, and they already, like, emphasize on that with, like, pickles and everything. And it's, like, it's, like, who, what, like, what, like, what state of mind do you have to be in to, like, almost flirt with another girl in front of your ex? Like, like, who, what, how old are we? Are we, like, 17? Are we 16? Like, what, what age are we putting this at, almost? And then they kind of bring it home again, like it's a it's a very interesting sort of setup as to the the almost immaturity of Mr. Peanut Butter, and I feel bad because Mr. Peanut Butter is so like happy go lucky, and then I'm like, oh, that's because he's young and he doesn't understand the way of the world. Like, but actually, but, he's super old. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the thing. He, he's mentally probably. young, but yeah. Not- oh, that's no fucking excuse. Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's thing. no excuse. Like, like we always. Like he's he's just as dysfunctional as everyone else, but because of his like personality, I feel like we give him a pass so many times and don't really scrutinize the underlying problem. But like, yeah, he his immaturity is part of his own dysfunction. And I mean, that's a big thing that has to be solved for him to have a marriage that lasts. No, I don't think Oh, uh, go ahead. Okay. I think that um the previous seasons, they kind of did frame Mr. Peanut Butter as, like, this happy-go-lucky guy, and, like, all of his ex-wives were just bitches who lost their fun. Like, what, Katrina's first introduction, she's like, oh, I'm not here for, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm here, like, so you can run for governor or whatever. And, like, Jessica Biel's whole thing, and, like, and then he meets Diane at this coffee shop, and it's like, oh, I love at first sight with this hip barista chick. Like, fuck that. (laughs) really like he is how old and he's like still like dating he's he's at least bojack's age yeah anyway i don't know that's just like something i noticed like i think this season is definitely the turn of mr peanut butter into not such a happy-go-lucky guy into this actual character that has flaws besides oh my wife isn't talking to me I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing I don't like about it is that Mr. Peanut Butter, everyone who marries him, it's always framed like it's their fault for stopping. Like they're not fun all the time. Eventually it's like, and that's like 
when Mr. Peanut Butter and Dan were together, that was like kind of what it was after a while, especially last season. It was always about how Diane just like couldn't feel comfortable in the marriage and they were having all these problems. And why isn't she just like nice and enjoying things? And like, what's her damage? But like this, like later in the season, we'll talk about like it, it gives a lot of supporting evidence to suggest that Mr. Peanut Butter is actually kind of the bigger problem of all of his relationships all along. And that's both frustrating to have kind of acknowledged, but also very, very, like, it makes so much more sense. Uh, and it's set up in, in at the end of this episode because he mentions something like it's it's not usually me that gets exactly. bored with them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So like he he, he's, and, he is putting the onus on the home. other side of the relationship there. Well, yeah, and I'd say like boredom isn't accurate. I think frustration is probably what drove a lot of them away. Oh, Mr. Peanut Butter. And also in this episode, like th- there's that moment where they go into the French restaurant. It have they think it's a KFC. It's actually Kiki's French chick, uh, French cuisine or something. <laughs> um, but, but like, uh, but like uh, P- peanut butter says, like I still have feelings for Diane. But then like immediately after when they go to the date, it's like, well, yeah, of course it's a bad time. But hey, I can't control when I meet someone special, right? So <laughs> it's oh my like, slowly, yeah. that's literally it. Yeah. So like even even though you still have feelings for someone, but like you, you, you're not, you're not uh, it, like, mentally you're in the lovely. place yet where you can like settle with that first before you be, enter into something else. Yeah, and poor Pickles, like she, like even her, who's like young and silly, she's like, "Yo, I think we're moving too fast. Maybe we should calm down." Like she's saying oh, this already. What she says? What does she say? She says, "A wise woman in the restaurant." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and he's like, ooh, yeah, she sounds smart. She needs right. yeah. advice. Is there usually wisdom to be found in the restroom? You never know, man. Never, you um, never know. Not in a public restroom, in a restaurant, I don't find. But maybe French cuisine has different rules. <laughs> I don't maybe. know. I'm, I'm, I'm not big into restrooms <laughs> and interacting with people in them. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, and uh, just some uh, like uh, lo- loose jokes from here. Um, peanut butter and uh, pickles. Apparently, pickles is also into the very elaborate Hollywood jokes uh, thing. So they just like keep exchanging stuff back and forth. Um, the the only one I have written down in full here is, am I Taylor Swift's grudge against Katy Perry? Because even though it doesn't make sense, I want to be held for a super long time. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, that was a good part. Uh, Maybe I, they I just like made Pickles' character just to insert more of those really dumb Hollywood references, like those young Hollywood references yeah. that none of us really get. I mean, but I don't Mr. Peanut Butter does, which is just adds to the. The creep factor. <laughs> the creep factor. Uh, uh, also, um, Di- uh, Diane, Diana, Ho- uh, Diane Ho- Jose podcast uh, about the International Space Station. She's interviewing Laika, <gasps> who is described as the first woman in space. So obviously, in our universe, she's a dog who is sent into space. So I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's nice. In real life, she died in space. Apparently, in this universe, she managed to survive. <laughs> I'm so, so that, happy. That, that, Poor good. space dog. Yeah. I'm looking uh, it up. 
But I really love that, like, what is it? She's doing an interview with her on the night that they're planning to blow up the International Space Station. But then, like, they just go into Diane's, like, previous marriage and everything. Like, I thought that was great. Like, Well, it was so weird, this setup, because it's like, it's, it was always planned to explode, planned obsolescence. That's a thing. And I, that, that's the title of the episode. And Diane is like, yeah, like my marriage. <laughs> it's like, oh my okay. God. As soon as she said that, I was like, yes, let's explore this. Like, let's go. Uh, there, there's also a, a joke here where Peanut Butter wants to change away from the podcast, but it's like, hey, look, a new single by 21 Pilots. Ew, and he back goes to the podcast. <laughs> God, who uh, hates 21 Pilots so much to put that in? I, I do. Oh, Alex. Uh, I, 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 I was going to say, does. my husband got a really good kick out of that joke. Yeah, 21 right. Pilots is not good. I'm going to say... If I were about 13-ish years old, I would be super into 21 Pilots. But I'm not. not. (laughs) I I, I, I was 10 years ago, and I was into My Chemical Romance, so there you go. There you go. Yes! (laughs) As a society, we're too late for 21 Pilots, unfortunately. Every every Uh, single person I've met who likes 21 Pilots is a teenager. That's fair. Um, and uh, from episode one, uh, uh, just some uh, quick hits here. Um, we open with Los Angeles by St. Vincent, which I think is a very good uh, musical cue to open the season just because like it is about Los Angeles, about the superficialness of it all. And so it's just a nice piece to, to open it. Um, also in the intro for episode one, there's an obituary for Ralph Carney, who uh, he died recently. He is the one who performs the saxophone in the BoJack intro. So uh, I, I like that they. Oh yeah, there is a saxophone. There. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they keep that throughout the entire season, which I really like. Oh, do they? I, I, I only saw that. the episode. I one yeah, I only saw it in the first episode. I think I remember seeing it in like later episodes too, because I was just like, there was like a moment in like a later episode, and I was like, who the f- like who the fuck died? And then I like <laughs> looked it up. <laughs> Sorry guys. But, but the saxophone. The saxophone is important. Yeah, but well, because I love like that intro song, and then I was just like, "Who the fuck died?" That like where, like I did, I was just like, "What actors of Bo?" Like I googled it, I was like, "What actors from BoJack died?" And like nothing showed up, and then I like I was eventually stumbled upon like the saxophonist, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense now. Got it." Like, go April. Yeah. Uh, also, we, we didn't mention this at all, but uh, Bojack Hollyhock phone call, and that was cute, was I guess. Sweet. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would call sweet. my little sister, who is like 32-ish years younger than me at midnight slash four in the morning or whatever, but I thought I it was nice. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I am the little sister who lives many hours away. Yeah, she she attends Wesleyan, uh, so I'm um, a good East Coast school to call in the middle of the night. Also, uh, why is she asleep when she's at like she is she not like a freshman? She should be out partying. What's wrong with her? It's three a.m. Yeah, <laughs> what are the yeah, parties? Yeah, it's three a.m. She's a responsible student at Wesleyan. Oh, good for her. I, I, I mean, good for her, but also. <laughs> Like April is silently low-key judging still. Yep. I love you, Hollyhock. But <laughs> but get your party on. Yeah. 
Uh, also in this in the first episode Todd applies for a janitor job um, he has a very impressive resume we do a lot of callbacks to past Todd ventures um, also he mentions that he directed a Star Wars movie but was removed for creative differences so yep. uh, shots fired at you know, Lord and Miller um, and uh, and yeah and uh, uh, the Flip McVicker ends the episode with this is going to be a sensational season of television and uh, I remember that really being was. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was a line in the BoJack Horseman trailer, and I think it ended up being a sensational season of television, so a nice meta to end that. But uh, yeah, I, I think that mostly concludes everything. Any other final thoughts you guys have on the three episodes that we've talked about today? Um, Sam, you want to go first? I liked that the song that Gina was singing was about corn. Or was it corn or was it potatoes? <laughs> it, it, it was corn. It was corn. It was a very corny song. Yes. I liked it. That's just how musicals are sometimes. They're just about random fucking shit. And they're actually really good. I support this musical revolution that we have going on with Gina. Anyway. Okay. Sam likes musicals. Uh, Michelle? Uh, don't screw anything in on, like, naked on a chair. You could fall. Someone... <laughs> No, you could get drafty. Just like bundle up and protect yourself unless you feel really, really sexy that day. (laughs) (laughs) I've cooked naked before. It's not very fun. You're not really like the grease splatter on your bed. Yeah, I know. I had to deal with that when I cooked naked. (laughs) I know that now. You had your, your goal and you did it. So that's something. Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> Mich- Michelle gives the suggestion to please screw in your light bulb sexily. Um, April, your final thoughts? Um, if you're asexual, find out the entire history of your partner um, because you don't want to have to um, potentially plug up a giant vat of $100,000 lube with your erect penis that is not going to be erect. And FYI, the big toe is not the penis of the foot. Sorry. It's or the, it's the, the big toe is not dirty enough, is it? I don't I think... Guess, at least not the person to my big toe. No. Depends on the person. Who has a dirty big toe? <laughs> I don't know. Like Some people... Have, like, Use your whole feet. foot, guys. Yeah, Maybe, like, yeah I guess that's the thing. We, we, we were talking about fingers, but really no finger is as girthy no. as the big toe, I guess. But so. even your big toe is not enough. I mean, I don't have a penis, so I cannot say from experience. Oh my god, you're telling me they didn't have a dildo lying around the sex house? You're right. <laughs> oh my god, Oh my god, they the glass dildos. Or the rubber ones, or, or the, the silicone ones. ones, or any of them, for that they, matter. They, they're, they're, their house pillars were shaped like penises. They have to have Thank you. Yeah, Thank they have you. to have some sort of phallic thing to plug this hole up. But no, they just have to throw Todd under the bus. <laughs> Ding it. I feel so bad for Todd Yeah, now. that makes me hate this episode even more. <laughs> <laughs> but I, al- I also appreciate that... Um, they were like, I always love whenever like the show doesn't like try to like rip off or like infringe upon copyright, like on other things. And so he's like, "Oh, you mean like okay, Homa?" And I was like, "Oh no!" And then he like half sang the song, but he didn't sing it enough to where um, you wouldn't infringe upon those copyright laws. And I was like, "Thank you, I I I like that." So. 
for, for some reason, I thought that was going to go into a discussion about branded dildos, but... Um... <laughs> I mean, we can. <laughs> as far as I know, there hasn't been an actual branded dildo. There was a Twilight-themed one. It wasn't tied in, of course. I remember it distinctly because I still have a screenshot of it. You could put it in the freezer for that authentic feel. Wow. Because vampires are gonna, cold. That's not going to work easy. You have to really train yourself to accept it. Yeah, that would be thing. that would that would not be fun. Agreed. That would be very cold. I don't think I would enjoy that. And like once it started working, be like, oh no, I'm dethawing it. It has to go back in the freezer. <laughs> so you'd actually never use it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so th- thank you for listening to this discussion on dildo <laughs> mechanics. Um, if you'd like more information about this podcast, which usually doesn't talk about dildo mechanics, but maybe we will more in the future, depending on response to this podcast, uh, you can find out our previous episodes at OverlyAnimated.com. You can also join us on Discord if you want to chat with us about animation, dildos, or any other BoJack Horseman-related content at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Andy. Um, you can, uh, thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John Ryan, Stephen Hugh. Uh, we will be talking more BoJack Horseman specifics in the future. I don't think there are dildos in future episodes, so maybe not that specifically. But uh, no, we will have... Um, is there I, no there's not oh, yeah, okay. you sure pretty <laughs> sure like, dildos like at 80 percent sure uh no there's a 20 percent in there that says yes <laughs> well stay <laughs> there, stay tuned tw- to find out there's a 20 percent that says april will just randomly bring it up huzzah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk bojack the feminist next time and maybe that will happen but uh, un- until we come back for more bojack episode recaps Thank you very much for listening this long. We'll see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye. Bye.